Have you ever found yourself wondering if there is more to life than your current circumstance? Perhaps you're stuck in a rut of mundane, unsure of where you belong. Maybe you feel bound by chains of poor decision making, feeling lost, but brave enough to consider, what if there's more to life than this? Hi, I'm Cindy Linton and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people gathering together in normal Illinois. People who have found the answer to this question is a yes and are committed to joining together in an effort to honor God, love people, and discover truth. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy that you all came out to worship with us today. I just, I just love Easter, and I pray that from the moment you walked into that door, I don't just pray it today, I prayed it all week long, that the moment you walked through the door, there was a joy that swept over you. Because Easter is about a risen Savior, and I said that, but you know what Easter is also about? It's about family. Yeah. Easter is so much about family. That's why our kids are staying with us. Normally we have a kids class, but our kids are staying in here with us because it's the body of Christ. Yeah. Some of you I'm meeting today for the first time, but can I just tell you, I'm part of your family now. <laughs> you may not know it, but this place is contagious, and we've only been here since March. Now, I'm going to say something pretty controversial, but you'll have to bear with me. We're more contagious than COVID. <laughs> and you don't have to wear a mask when you're around us. <laughs> but there is just a joy when you get with the body of Christ, and I believe that's what Easter is about and, and we've got some festivities and celebrations. And there was two things that my pastor always taught me. He said, never get in the way of candy and never get in the way of food. And I'm in the way of both of those right now. I'm in the way of Easter celebrations and I'm in the way of candy. So I'm not going to be long this morning, but I do believe God has sent me here with a word uh, that he wants for us to share this morning. Um, I think honestly, even if you're someone, you can, you can, that's fine. Even if you're someone who doesn't know about the journey to the empty tomb, Easter is still a joyful day. Amen. Amen. I was sitting getting my hair cut yesterday, and I get my hair cut right across the way. I don't have a barber. My wife makes fun of me because I don't have a barber. I just, I just go to the Great Clips. You can meet a lot of people at the Great Clips. I just love walking in and getting my hair cut. I don't like to make an appointment. I don't like to, you know, I just like to go in. and It's a surprise every time because even though I know what I want, Sometimes I come out and it don't look like what I wanted. And it's a surprise, but I'm sitting in the Great Clips yesterday, and there was a family sitting on this side of me and a family sitting on this side of me. And the, the one on to my left, they their, their little boy was in the chair, and he was just getting done. And the boy came running over to his mom, and he had a big smile on his face. And the, the, the barber lady, she said, Will you have a happy Easter? And his face lit up, and he was getting his Easter haircut, you know, like I got my Easter haircut. <laughs> but the girl sitting beside me, it perked her up. She's like, is tomorrow Easter, Dad? And he said, yeah. And she said, can we go hunt for Easter eggs? Like, she had no idea about the empty tomb, right? This is what I'm saying. But, but she knew about the eggs. And her dad said, yeah, we can go, we can go do the Easter eggs tomorrow. And her little brother, he said, I don't get it, Dad. Why don't they just give us candy? Why do we have to hunt for it? <laughs> and she said, you can have my candy. I just like to hunt for it. And his face lit up. And that's what I mean by everybody finds joy on Easter. There is joy everywhere you look 
for Easter. There is joy in every occasion. Now, I'm not here to talk about the candy. I'm not here to talk about the chocolate bunny that lays eggs. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not here uh, really to talk about all that. Now, we have it for the kids. And I don't think you came to hear about that this morning. Right. I think you came here today to re- hear about a risen Savior. Yes. Um, now, we do have candy over there. And it is from the littlest. I think the littlest is this little guy, Elijah, right here. And it's all the way to the oldest. Now, don't raise your hand if you're the oldest in here. But we have candy from the littlest. Oh, he raised his hand. <laughs> we have candy from the littlest to the biggest. So once service is over, please have yourself some candy. My wife's got some buckets over there. Even if there's not a bucket for you, stuff it in your pockets. Because if you don't take that with you, I have to take it home. And I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> so help help me out, please, this morning. Easter is a Easter is a joyful day, like I said, but there is but we are here and why Easter is so much more than candy. Because candy fades. The sugar rush eventually ends. We've all seen it with our kids. They just eat the candy and go crazy mad, and then they just crash about 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And But it, it fades. And I'm, I'm hoping over the next few minutes to show you through the Word that the joy of Easter never ends. The joy of Easter isn't just the day we celebrate on a calendar, but the joy of Easter goes with us Monday through Friday, 365 days a year, because the joy of Easter already happened some 2,000 plus years ago. The tomb is still empty. Jesus is still alive. We still serve a risen Savior. Amen. Easter is not like a sugar rush that just satisfies you for a moment, and then come Monday morning, the joy is gone. No, come Monday morning, the joy is still there. The joy grows more and more and more as we grow in Jesus Christ. You remember your first introduction to the Lord. It was an introduction that you maybe were like, well, this is kind of strange. This is kind of interesting. This is kind of new. But as you walked your walk with God, it began to get deeper and it began to grow more and more and more so that that joy would constantly be with you and it wouldn't just fade away. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. That is what Easter is all about. He is alive forevermore. We will be gone and and past, and the name of the Lord will still ring out strong and true. Amen. The journey to the empty tomb was not one of joy, though, if I could tell you that this morning. It's why the journey can't end at the cross, because if we ended at the cross, think of the sadness that would surround us at the cross. Can you imagine if we stopped our relationship with Christ at the cross? Though it is so wonderful, the cross, the blood, without the blood applied to our life, there would be no cleansing. But could you imagine if we stopped at the cross? It's called Good Friday. Could you imagine if we just ended at Good Friday and there never was an open tomb? Well, this is what it would look like. It would be sad. It involves his betrayal by one of his disciples. They had the Last Supper. I don't know about you, but I like to eat supper. I don't want a last supper. They had a last supper. He was on trial five times, and his disciples left him in fear. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was cursed. He was nailed to the cross, and in agony, he hung there. And he was finally jabbed with a spear in the side. And the Bible says that he gave up the ghost with the last bit of strength that he had, and he died. The perfect Jesus took our place to be the atonement for our sins. But if it if if we would if it would end it at the cross, it would just be sad. All we would do is cry 
All we would do is have tears. But thanks be to God, it didn't end at the cross. If you're sad today or if at times in your life the enemy tries to bring a heaviness of depression or sadness... I have come here to remind you, I'm just the watchman on the wall. There is no reason for depression. There is no reason for sadness. There is no reason for fear because Christ conquered it all. Christ conquered it all when he was crucified on the cross. But that's what it, where it ended. It was the empty tomb. It was when they went and saw the tomb empty that all of that was defeated. If we ended at the cross, there would still be a reason for sadness. The journey continued to the empty tomb, and the journey still continues today. I'm amazed sometimes when you read statistics. There's a correlation between our involvement in the church and depression and mental health in our society. If you would go back, and some of you are old enough to live it, if you would go back in, in, in history, 60s and 50s and 70s, and I won't go any farther back, I don't want to say somebody's too old, but if you would go back, there wasn't a, a depression epidemic like there is on our nation right now. And it's because Jesus and God were more involved in our lives. They were involved in our schools. They were involved in our, in our walks. And, and as we move through time, you will see that the more we push Jesus away, the more there is a mental struggle on our society. And why that is, is because we don't allow that peace. We don't allow that joy to take place in our life. How many times do you end your day like this? I'm just glad it was over. <laughs> and yet you think of how you should end your day. Oh, this day was so wonderful. The joy of the Lord was my strength that got me through this day. But yet here we are. We're just not there. Our sadness and our depression can be replaced with joy today. Yeah. I'm telling you that if we, if we listen to statistics, one out of the ten of us in this room are struggling with severe depression. How sad is that? How sad and, and how unkingdom-like that is. The body of Christ is meant to be joyful. The body of Christ is meant to be hope. The body of Christ is meant to be life right. and love. And Jesus did not come and die. And the tomb was not empty so that we would suffer in despair. Right. Yes. Joy is in the house Amen. today. Yes. Jesus is alive. Yes, he is. I said in the very beginning where two or three are gathered. Yes. There he is in the midst. He's not still in a tomb. He is walking around. He is amongst us. He is wanting to bring us joy like a father who brings good gifts to their child. He's wanting to bring good gifts to us. And all as it is, is we have to ask and reach out. I've come here with three questions today that we must ask ourselves on this, first, on this Easter 2022. Question number one, am I living in the power of the resurrection? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. If you don't have anything to say, all you need to say is Jesus. And at the mention of His name, every demon shall flee, every tongue shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Number Question number two, do I really believe the words of Jesus Christ? It's a personal conviction. It's a personal relationship. We gather as a body, but it's an individual conversation right. with you and God. I can't carry you across the throne when it comes to that point. It's just our personal relationship. And number three, is there evidence of my life that proves my belief? Is there evidence? Is there fruit? And it's all in the scripture. I don't have time to get into it really today because there's candy over there calling somebody's name. <laughs> Matthew, the, Matthew 27, 50 and 51 says this, Jesus, when he had uh, cried again with a loud voice, yielded 
of the ghost. 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks did rent. The veil separated the second room called the Holies of Holies from the first room in the temple called the Holy Place. The Holy Place contained three items. The lampstand, which symbolized the light. Jesus was the light of the world. The lampstand symbolized the light. The table of showbread symbolizing God's provision. God is still wanting to provide today. The tabernacle was type and shadow of everything God came to fulfill. And there was the altar of incense, the symbolizing of prayer. As the altar, as the smoke went up, it was an essence to God's nose, the Bible said, in his sense. The Holy of Holies was where the Ark of the Covenant was. There was no light in the Holies of Holies. There was a veil that was outside. The Ark was where the presence of God would radiate from. The Bible calls it the Shekinah glory that would raise up from the tabernacle roof like a pillar of fire as God sat on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. The tabernacle and the Ark were built in the wilderness to lead the Hebrew people to the Promised Land. The Bible says that the veil was blue on one end and red on the other, blending in the middle to make what kind of color? Purple. In the Old Testament, it wasn't red, it was used as scarlet, but scarlet means red. And here we are, we have this veil that is blue and red and purple. The blue representing heaven, the red representing earth, or the blood, and the purple being the perfect combination of the two, signifying Christ Jesus. The purple was the perfect blend. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, signifying the middle of the veil. God could have tore the veil in any specific part, but he chose to tear it in the middle. Why did he tear it in the middle? Because it was the only way that we could once again walk in perfect harmony with God, with the king of all creation. It was the only way that we could cover the sins of atonement that took place in the garden. It was Jesus Christ. Purple also represented royalty. Christ Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, had come to bring God and man together through his sacrifice and resurrection. Amen? Amen. It's why we celebrate this Easter. The power of the resurrection is knowing that Christ Jesus loved us so much that he defeated every enemy. In order for us to know the power of the resurrection, we must know Jesus Christ. And like I said, I don't have time to get into it all today, but I encourage you to find and look in this book. The only way we're going to find truth is in this scripture. We're not going to find it on Fox News. We're not going to find it on CNN. We're not going to find it on our radio podcast channel. It's in this book right here. And the only way for us to be people to walk around in the power of the king is to know the king ourselves. The power of the resurrection is knowing That Christ loved us so much that he defeated every enemy. I don't know everybody's personal stories. I don't know everybody's situations. But I do know just enough to know that there's something fighting each and every one of us in here right now. There's something that's trying to get between us and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't know what that is, but I just wanted to come and tell somebody that the knowing and the power of the resurrection is knowing that he already defeated it. There's no need to suffer. There's no need to be in anguish about it because it's already been crucified and it's already been delivered through the empty tomb so that you and I would have a place beside him in eternity. We don't need a chief priest to go before the Lord for us. We don't need an advocate. You don't need me this morning. You have the ability to go before the Lord yourself. 
I'm thankful that you've come and listened to me. But in your relationship, it's personal. Jesus made it possible through Him that we can all approach and have a relationship ourselves with the Father right now. The Bible says that the veil was as thick as a man's hand with cherubim sewn into protect into it to signify the protection of the throne of God. Ezekiel talked about it in the book of Ezekiel whenever he visited the throne and the cherubims protected the throne. The veil in the Bible was torn from the top to the bottom. The top to signify heaven, the Lord. God is still inviting us into his presence today. The Bible says that there was an earthquake. That should have rent from the bottom to the top. This wasn't just something that happened. This was specific to Scripture to let us know that God was making a way that we could come into His presence. I know that you've come here today to just sit to be a part of a church service. But can I tell you, there is a God that compelled you here for a reason. And that reason is to walk deeper in Him. That reason is to tell you, I tore the veil for you. I didn't tear the veil for everybody, but I tore it for you specifically. And you're here today listening to this man that you've just met for the first time. And he's crying in front of you looking like this silly little weird guy. And he's saying, I did all this for you. I did all this specifically for you. And what he wants to tell you and what he wants me to show you this morning is it's how we respond. Our response, our response can only meet the coming open of the veil, because if we just stand like the crowds, like we talked about last week, we can stand with the crowds and we can shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna all day long. But if we're not careful and we just look that the veil is open, the next thing we'll know we'll be going crucify, crucify, crucify. And God didn't bring us here to shout crucify. He brought us here to be in love and harmony and compassion with him. The atonement has been paid. The atonement has been paid some 2,000 years, but yet here humanity still struggles with the flesh. Here still struggles with the enemy. Here still struggles with the accuser of the brethren. The Bible calls the enemy. But yet we know that he's been defeated, but we still struggle. Why do we still struggle? Because we hold God at arm's distance. We hold him at arm's distance saying, God, I know you did all that for me, but I'm just not ready. I just need some time. Can I tell you, if you're somebody that's saying I'm not ready and I just need some time, you're never going to get it all figured out. Right. I can speak from experience. You'll never get it all figured out. It's as soon as you fall to your face and say, God, I can't do it without you. That's the moment we get it all figured out. That's the moment because he says, in your weakness, I am made strong in your weakness. So whatever it is, whatever it is that's holding us from our relationship with God, all he's saying is, that's okay. No matter how bad it is, I love you. No matter how bad it is, the Shekinah glory is not looking to reside over a wooden ark, but over you and I. The presence of God wants to live in this vessel, this earthen vessel, the Bible says. The veil was removed so the presence of God could live within us. Just like leading the Hebrews of the Old Testament to the promised land, God's presence is wants to be in us, and it will guide us to the ultimate promised land of heaven. This this isn't our home. We're just journeyers traveling through. There is a heaven that God has promised that He wants to lead us to. And without His Spirit and without His presence, we're just going to be walking around blind and aimlessly trying to find out where to go. 
The power of the resurrection is knowing no matter what happens to me in this life, my soul belongs to Jesus. And when I know that my soul belongs to Jesus, it doesn't matter what my boss says to me at work. It doesn't matter how much my kids are fighting. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life because I know my my life is in Jesus' hand. The Bible says in John 14, 2 and 3, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have not told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. But where I am, there ye may be also. He has made a promise to not just the disciples, but to everyone who reads the Gospels of Jesus Christ, that there is a home and eternity that he's placed. Time and time Christ told the disciples uh, that there would be that this would take place from the cross to the empty tomb. But yet, just like the disciples, we need to make sure we don't get washed in the flood, in the, in the, in the movement of everything, because the disciples had no idea. He said, tear it down in three days. I'll build it up again. And they had no understanding of what that even meant. We, we have the ability to read the back of the book. We have the ability to read through the scripture and know everything that's taking place. We don't want to miss it. Just because our flesh got in the way of something, just because pride, just because grief, just because fear, whatever it was, got in the way. John 2 and 19 says this, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. I don't want you to think these are just words that I'm saying. This is biblical. This is in the scripture. It's important that we stay in this book. It's important that we find ourselves in this word and the people that we're listening to, we make sure they're in this word because there's too many people with opinions nowadays. I don't need another opinion. What I need is the truth of God. Amen. And yet at the end of the day, we're shocked. They walked and they talked with Jesus and they saw the miracles that he performed, but still didn't comprehend who he was and the mission as he, he had come to fulfill. Today we, today we know the scripture, we know the word, but yet we wonder and ponder, is that for me? And the answer is the, the resurrection was for all humanity. All humanity. Don't try to put, well, it's just for them and them. It was for all humanity. I don't care whether you're right, whether you're left, whether you're center, whatever you want to label yourself as today, it was for all humanity. As many as the Lord our God shall call, and he's calling each and every one of us. The Bible has not changed from in the beginning. God's word is the source of truth and righteousness. Jesus laid out a plan to his disciples while he walked with them as their rabbi. They, upon his resurrection, would continue with with what he had shared with them. The plan of salvation Peter gives would get he would give on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, chapter two, verse thirty-eight. Then Peter said, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. There's only one name under heaven whereby men must be saved. And that's in the scripture. That's in the Bible. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. Repentance is not a big deal, but repentance is a must. Because if I just want to put on the name of Jesus and do my own thing, it's not going to work out. The Bible says we can't serve two masters. And what repentance looks like, all it looks like is this, Lord, I've been doing things my own way for a long time. I want to do things your way, God. 
Yeah. And it's a turning. It's a turning from going this direction, and it's a turning and going God's direction. And saying, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything you want from me, God, but I'm going to search this book. I'm going to find myself with like-minded people. I'm going to join together, and I'm going to follow after you, Lord. And everywhere that I don't know, God, I'm praying that you're going to fill in, and you're going to guide me, and you're going to direct me. And baptism is taking a bath. We've all took baths, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> It's being fully immersed in the name of Jesus. There isn't any other name that needs applied over our life but the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I know what some people are saying. Oh, the Holy Spirit, oh, he's one of those spirit guys. You better believe I'm one of those spirit guys. Because just like the Shekinah glory shown in the Old Testament, it's the Spirit of God that's going to lead us through this world. Don't we find it funny how times are getting worse and worse? How it's really hard to find truth out there right now. You know way we're going to find truth? It's the Spirit of God leading us in our lives. We remember the story of the Old Testament. How when they came out of Egypt in the bondage, it was the pillar of cloud by day and the fire at night. It was leading them to where they were supposed to go. God's wanting to lead us today. God's wanting to lead us today. He's not wanting us to rely upon man's word, but he's wanting us to rely upon his words. God is wanting to lead us today the joy of easter is knowing and believing because once we know that we know that we know you know what i'm saying (laughs) once you know that you know that you know guess what you know (laughs) and we need to make sure we know we need to make sure before the day ends before our day ends that we know who Jesus Christ is. We need to make sure that we know where our soul is going to reside. We need to make sure that there is joy, joy, joy that fills my life. It was in the Old Testament that David sometimes had to encourage himself. Easter is a reminder that we need to encourage ourselves because God has defeated the enemy and there is no reason for fear and grief and depression to last any longer. Stand with me this morning. The journey to the empty tomb started as one of sadness, but it didn't end that way. The psalmist said it best in Psalms 30 and 5. Weeping may endureth for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endureth for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This Easter is a reminder for someone, for all of us, that joy is in the house. That joy of the Lord is in this place. The darkness that has tried to engulf you has been defeated. There is no more room for that darkness because joy is flooding in. Like rivers of living water, joy is moving in to push out all that darkness. That sickness, that pain, that sadness that has been upon you, God is going to replace that with joy today. Amen. Amen. Mary was in grief as she approached the tomb, only for fear to then replace the grief. As the boulder was moved and the grave was empty, what happened to him, she thought and said. The one who delivered her from the torment of the demons, Mary Magdalene. Did you take him? She would ask. John 20, 14-16 gives us this whole glimpse of this story. The Bible says in 14, and when she had And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, 
Why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is say, Master. She recognized. She knew. But she brought all those problems to the tomb that day. And yet at the end of the day, grief and fear and uncertainty was all replaced with joy. Can you get the mental picture with me this morning? As she turned and realized that the gardener, who she supposed was a gardener, was actually Jesus Christ, the master and the rabbi. And that grief and uncertainty and fear was replaced with joy. She reached and beheld him and grabbed him and hugged on tight to him to the point where he had to say, not yet because I have not ascended up to my father she embraced him and that embraced replaced all the problems all the pains and that joy was so great Jesus is here today tapping on our shoulders this Easter Sunday calling us by our names he knows our names Jesus is in the house and when Jesus is in the house that means joy is in the house Would you pray with me this morning? Come on, let's reach out and receive today. If you came here to receive, would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you so much, God, for the privilege and the opportunity, God, to not just know the cross, but to know the empty tomb, God. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds, God, but we know that you do, Lord. God, I pray for each and every individual in here right now, Lord. I pray, God, if if they're battling something, God, I, I pray that you would move in like a flood, Lord. I pray that with our mouths we would receive, God, this morning all that you have for us today, Lord. God, I know sometimes it looks different the way that you want us to receive, God. But I know that there is joy in this house today, God. Joy that wants to replace sadness. Joy that wants to replace depression. Joy that wants to replace doubt, oh God. And all it is is realizing that you are the one behind us, tapping us on the shoulder, God. And all we need to do is turn around and embrace you, Lord. Embrace you the way that we embrace one another, God. And just put our arms out and hug you, God the only way that we can, Lord. God, and I pray, Lord, as we receive your word today, God, on this Easter, God, that joy would settle in, joy would move, joy would be upon us, not just today, but tomorrow. Joy would be with us so much that it spreads on our co-workers, that it spreads on our family, God, that as we gather around for Easter lunch or dinner, God, that we would just have joy of all that you have done in our lives, Lord Jesus. All that you have done in our lives, Lord. Lord, we have tears today, God. But they're not tears of sadness. They're not tears of sorrow. Lord, they're tears of joy. God, they're tears of joy because knowing what we once were is no longer who we are, God. But knowing that we are founded in you. Knowing that you have set a place before us. Knowing that you have put a plan ahead of us, God. And we push into that day. We celebrate that today. Would you clap your hands with me and give God praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our music team is going to come one last time for one last song as we close out this service. Here's the part that's been great. The part that's been great is you guys got to listen to me. I hope so.
But we never want to end the service without the opportunity to give each individual a chance to respond. We just did a corporate response and we all prayed together. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that is. But as they sing today, I wonder with an open mouth, with an open thought, if you could just have that conversation with God as they just close us out in one last song today. Would you do that with me? Would you just take this moment, whether you sing the song or whether you have words of your own, would you take this moment and just converse with God today before we leave? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes. Thank you.